This week on Life and Faith. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see you lie. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Light and life to all he brings. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The world turned upside down. This is Life and Faith from CPX and here we are at last at the end of 2020. Now, could you have believed it would ever actually end? I am holding out with all hope. I am Justine Toe. I'm Natasha Moore. And I'm Simon Smart. And this is our final episode of Life and Faith for the year. And I know we say this every year, but seriously, (laughs) this year, what a year it's been. Aside from coronavirus and lockdown, did you know that Albert Camus' The Plague became a bestseller? No guessing why. And we've heard phrases like flatten the curve, social distancing, working from home. Of course, everyone with kids went crazy and everyone in solo households became obsessed with houseplants. Was that you, Natasha? I continued to kill houseplants, yes. That's a thing Oh, that okay. <laughs> so you tried. Yeah. <laughs> tried and failed. <laughs> but I've um, been looking online as well, just to sort of refresh my memory of the year that we've had. We started, of course, with catastrophic bushfires and floods in Australia. But do you guys remember that Megxit happened this year as well as Brexit? This year. I know, right? And, <laughs> and then the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, you know, of course, I had the US election in mind, but earlier in the Let's year, Trump survived impeachment. Like, do you do you even remember this happening? Know, Seriously. Well, there was like nearly World War Three with Iran back in January as well. Like that. that oh, wow. That I missed that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Came and went. <laughs> Just a blip. And I also have to admit, I did not watch Tiger King on Netflix like everyone else. Oh, I but did. But I watched... Oh, you did? Mm. Okay. And no, it, was, it was an event of 2020. So everyone down. watched tons of Netflix, yep. No, that's right. Well, I also added to that Hamilton for reasons that will become clear. Mm. But I also want to put out a plug for Kingdom, which is kind of like this Game of Thrones meets medieval Korea meets zombie pandemic series that I've really enjoyed. And it we were watching very it. very you, the, Justine. <laughs> it, is, it is very me, it turns out. And it was, we were watching it during lockdown. So it was very eerie and appropriate for the times. Well, a viewing highlight in our household was The Bureau, the French sort of spy drama, which I've been a, become an evangelist for ever since. You have. I've, I've, <laughs> no I haven't watched it yet, Not everyone's Simon. buying it, but it's a ripper. It's got subtitles. <laughs> I can't watch it at the same time as I cook. So mm. I'm out. But yeah, I mean, the fact that even 2020 being so packed with things has itself become a feature of 2020. Um, you know, that the hits just keep on coming. I saw a meme last week um, around the, I don't know if you, <laughs> another thing that has just happened was the zombie mink situation in Denmark. Did yeah, you guys hear As in about slaughtering 18 so million culled, or so? So they culled, yeah, 17 million minks, but a lot of them were um, buried in quite shallow graves and with the um, gases <sighs> from decompositions, <laughs> they've kind of risen back to the surface. <laughs> so I saw a meme that was kind of like a 2020 bingo thing that was like, who had zombie mink? for November. Um, That's the year we've had. Just keeps getting better. But now obviously we're sort of talking about coming to the end of this, but that's just one perspective in the end of the year and the start of a new one's a completely arbitrary calendar thing. It reminds me of being at a New Year's Eve party last year and some friends of mine who had a particularly bad 2019 
we're toasting the new year. Come on, 2020. Renewed hopes. Gosh. Oh, dear. And they haven't had a great year again this year. But anyway, look, it, it's, it, we, as we do come to the end of these things, we do think it's a good time to pause and look back and also to pay attention once more to the Christmas story. And this, of course, is what we do here mm, we at do. CPX. Um, year on year, we come back to the same Christmas story, looking for fresh ways of connecting it to what's going on in the world. Um, you know, I read uh, that passage from Life of Pi, the Yann Martel novel recently, where the young boy, Pi, goes and talks to um, exponents of different religions. And when he goes and talks to the Catholic priest um, and asks for what his religion is about, he tells him the story of Jesus. Mm. Um, and Pi is a bit like, well, this doesn't make sense. Um, tell me another story. And the priest is like, this is the one we've got. This is story enough <laughs> yeah. for us. It's a big one. It's a yeah, big one story. We've got. <laughs> well, this story that we've got, we think it's relevant to people wherever they're at. Uh, and this Christmas, this means that we've been thinking about things like weariness, which I feel greatly, as well as fear, which I'm sure we've all felt this year, and hope as well. Um, and we're all hanging on for that hope. Uh, but of course, we've been looking at it with a COVID lens on. And so we did decide that we would each choose a line from a Christmas carol and think about what it has to say to us this year of all years. Now, Justine and Natasha, you picked different lines, but you have a kind of similar take on it. Yeah, that was a bit of an accident, wasn't it? I think I copied you, Justine. You know, no, no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually starting to try and remember, and I'm worried that I plagiarised totally yours. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know if I can rest on the, oh, you know, great minds, etc. I was like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I was just too tired, and I thought, she did a real good thing. I'm going to just... <laughs> Going to re- redo minute, it. So look, I... if we look back over all our Christmas content, and it is one story, so one it's very story. hard to get a completely and utterly fresh angle <laughs> on it every time. So you're forgiven for this we sort do of our best. Thanks combination. For the so mm. the line that I went with is from my favourite Christmas carol, mm. um, "O Holy Night," which I'm sure is everybody's favourite Christmas carol. Um, yes, you're right. Like, oh, it is mine. Yeah, Thank I you. think it is. Yeah. Although every beautiful. year, if, if, whenever it's sung, mm. there is a whole lot of anxiety around the poor person. <laughs> you know, you're thinking about as they build up to this incredible note at the end, are they going to make it? So it sort of ruins it a bit. You, you're kind of stressed for them. <laughs> or am I the only one who feels this? <laughs> Well, I because I always slightly resent that they perform it as an item often at carol services instead of having everyone yeah. sing it together. I'm mm. like, I want to sing it. It's that my favourite song. That would take away the pressure. But then one year we did sing it as a congregation and I was like, That's why. oh, I can't sing this song <laughs> that I really it. It's a tough one. <laughs> but the line that I was going for was a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, which, you know, mm. seems we were talking about weariness um, and 2020 and seems particularly apt. But also, you know, that idea of a thrill of hope. I was just thinking about how, um, you know, it sounds a bit, it's something that's not visible on the surface. It's kind of subterranean, um, this kind of disturbance in the force that happens. And that's what the Christmas story is like. It's, yeah. you know, this baby is born and that's kind of a very, very quiet yeah. event. In, well... <laughs> <laughs> not, on a global scale. Not for Mary. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but yeah, um, on a global scale, yes. Yeah, it doesn't Out of the seem way, that inconspicuous. dramatic. Um, and actually, this is the case for a lot of things in life, um, that the big dramatic thing that happens has its roots in something very um, quiet and not obvious. Even, 
you know, you think about COVID, when that started, it was some, you know, mutation in an animal, some infection of one person, and who could have guessed that it was going to kind of have these ripples out to the entire world. And that's actually how real change, huge change, for better or for worse. And you see this begins. in world, big world events, as well as each of our own lives. When you were writing about this, I was, I was thinking about my own life and things where at the time they might have been very small choices I might have made, but they end up with this incredible, uh, often good, implications, you know, things that just take you in a direction mm. that a whole lot of the rest of your life sort of spins out from. And you do occasionally think back and think, oh, imagine if I hadn't done that. All these other things would no mm. longer be the case. And I just didn't notice at the time that yeah. this was going to be such a big deal. Yeah. What about you, Justine? Well, basically, what she said, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned subterranean. I think that's a, a theme I kind of picked up um, on as well. Now, I I didn't quite choose a carol. Um, yeah, you cheated a little bit. Well, you were too cool cheating? for the Christmas no, carol. This is your no, oppositional was... defiance disorder. You <laughs> no, have. not at all. Everyone it's just else a... did what they were told. <laughs> Look, I tried to recruit Hamilton as a Christmas carol, the musical anyway, um, because there's that song in Yorktown, which references the Battle of Yorktown, which proved decisive for the uh, victory of the American revolutionaries over the British. And in that song, as they're celebrating this victory, you hear this refrain coming in at the end where they say, oh, will I dare to sing it? <laughs> um, the world turned upside down. And it just continues and goes on and on and on. It just kind of stayed with me because it's a refrain, right? And it just made me go, wow, you know, yes, the world has turned upside down this year. And so because of this, you might think, does the world only overturn in these really spectacular ways? Does everyone's attention have to be grabbed by, you know, the revolutionary win or the pandemic? And yet the Christmas story with its claim that God became a baby and was born in the middle of nowhere, really, it's a really incredible claim that great change can come and great impact can come from the most unremarkable places. And so, yeah, that really struck me this year, particularly as like I'm the kind of person who's always looking for what makes the headlines. And yet the biggest would-be headline in history wouldn't get noticed at all. <laughs> and it, it is, But it is quite incredible if you think about it that, you know, 2,000 or so years down the track of this event, we have an event that talks about it every year. And yet it's so non-newsworthy 
that it's very surprising that that would be the case, that yeah, we were talking ma- about it. And also that the changes are actually maybe all the more enduring and fundamental for not being kind of sudden. Um, like it, not to give the kind of five thousandth plug for our documentary for the love of god (laughs) podcast but you know we've been thinking about this stuff for a few years now Mm. about how the world did change because jesus was born and died and rose again that actually our society has gone in a dramatically different direction um, because of that one night that we celebrate um, at this time of year yeah so well apart from hearing justin sing which is brought up a whole new thing for me this adding to her <laughs> talents that we haven't tapped yet we might have to sort of get into that but for but for both of you it was going from this sort of inconspicuous thing that nonetheless turned the world upside down still reverberates and we're trying to pick up on this idea and say maybe it still is connecting with life as we experience it and it very much uh, is that so what about you Simon what have you been reflecting on as we come into this particular Christmas well I uh, I was thinking about two Christmases ago when we took our whole family back to Canada. We used to live in Vancouver, so we went back to Canada. And on Christmas Eve, we found ourselves in the mountains in the, at a ski resort. And so it was this. It was an amazing Christmas, I have to tell you. It was, <laughs> real Christmas. It was a real one. It was <laughs> unbelievable. Thick snow and these sort of lights and horse-drawn you know, snow things and bells and what, <laughs> what have you. Sleigh. It was incredible. <laughs> Sleighs, yep. whatever that's called. And, um, you know, it was, it was sort of a magic. It was truly magical. And, and it brought back the magic of Christmas. We went to this. Um, someone said there's this hotel that hold, is hosting a carol service. And we said, oh, well, we'll go to that with some friends. Thinking we'd walk in on 20 people standing around. We opened the doors to this massive ballroom. There must have been 3,000 people in there. <laughs> And Can you imagine now? It was incredible. Well, it wouldn't be. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be now. But <laughs> Ground it, zero for COVID. And it was, it was weird because it was all the old carols that I would have you know, sung at every other Christmas Eve service that I've been to. But it had this extra sort of magic to it. But it was lovely. It was a fantastic night. So which line from a carol have you been well, reflecting on? Well, this one is a line that's always sort of impacted me. It's, it's from a little town of Bethlehem, so it's addressing the town. It says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And I've always loved that line. I find it very kind of moving, actually, because it seems to sum up a whole lot of things about the, the Christmas story in its most powerful way. And I remember, I remember seeing it there and feeling, you know, I was getting a bit of a lump in my throat when I mm. get to that line. And the intersection of those two things, the hopes Absolutely. and the fears, yeah, that meet a, together. It seems to bring together what I think the Christmas story does, which is the real, very real hardships of life. And sadnesses, disappointments, all those sorts of things. But it has this sort of beautiful hopefulness to it too. The story is really raw, actually, if you get into it. We sentimentalize it. But the story itself is all about, you know, people in in a a desperate situation, unwanted. There's danger around. There's a threat of violence, all this sort of stuff. You forget that sometimes. And it's a very earthy story, right? They're in there surrounded by animals and all this sort of stuff. It's not a sort of romanticized story. So, that, But yet in that moment, you have this great story that's starting this incredible journey towards something that is really amazingly hopeful, I think. It's almost, you know, similar to mine and Justine's 
Funnily <laughs> enough. In that, you know, it all kind of everything shrinks mm. down to this pinpoint of time. That's right. Where God has actually shown up. That's the point. Here is this story that supposedly, I mean, it's incredible, right? To say that this is meant to be the turning point of history mm. where God comes and tells us something really important about who he is and kind of who we are too. And I just find it every time really stunning. And I certainly did in that Canadian carol service. See, this is interesting, right? Because, you know, the Christmas must have seemed like you were walking the set of Home Alone. I know that's a very old movie and reveals <laughs> my age, but it looks really perfect. And that is the image of Christmas for me. And it's beautiful and, and fun. And yeah. yet that line, the hopes and fears, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, yes. I have to admit, I have, I've turned a significant decade this year. And um, I feel like I'm, and I hate to say this because really, but I feel like I'm cresting the wave. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And that it's all oh, downhill. Justine, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, trust me, it is. It is all downhill from here. But no, it is. These are moments where you reflect, right? Yeah, and it makes me kind of look look back and think, oh wow, that um, that Christmas picture from Home Alone, the kind of picture that you're painting of your Christmas a couple of years ago, like that's really beautiful and idealistic. And yet there's a whole mm. lot of sadness there as well, you know, and this year has provided plenty of fodder well, for that. Well, this is exactly the thing. Um, what I was, what I felt was that it captured something of the magic of Christmas that I felt as a child when you, you're not weighed down by the realities of life, you're still sort of pretty you know, idealistic. And I th I've always felt that you get to Christmas and you sing these songs and especially that line, but you do feel the sadness and you feel the disappointments of life and the pain, uh, pain of, of life that you and others around you experience. So kind of bring, bring the magic as well as that other feeling together it was really, you know, that was very significant for me. Of course, not everyone at CPX is as into the magic of Christmas as you are, Simon. <laughs> no, they're not, evidently. And the Grinch of our team is definitely Mark Stevens. He's coming up next on Life and Faith. listening to Life and Faith from CPX and we're talking Christmas and Christmas carols and it's not just the three of us who've been thinking this stuff through. Almost all of us at CPX sat down to film a short video each with some reflections about how Christmas looks to us this year. And we're going to bring some others in here. We're getting Tim Costello into the studio. He'll be coming from Melbourne. But first of all, we introduced him as the Grinch. That was maybe a tiny bit unfair, but Mark Stevens, good to see you, Mark. It's good to be here. Thank you for the uh, label. <laughs> now, 
You chose, we all chose a line as we've been talking about this. What was your line? My line was light and life to all he brings from Hark the Herald Angels. Now that all sounds very positive and upbeat, but Mark, you've kind of admitted to be a bit of a misery bag at Christmas, haven't you? Or you're not as much into it as your family at least. Yeah, the problem is me, Simon. <laughs> I have a limited tolerance of uh, sentimentality and nostalgia and repetition <laughs> and all those things are laid on thick. What are the bits that get to you the most? Uh, maybe Elvis singing Christmas carols. My wife has a deep desire for the king and he comes out every year. <laughs> That's fair enough. That sounds good. But is it the shopping center stuff? Is it the kind of rush to the end? What, anything else? I just get the feeling that I'm not very good at it, Simon. <laughs> I mean, old gift giving thing, I'm just not great at <laughs> oh, I don't believe that. But you have a sort of a, a tradition at your home, which you're only very reluctantly joining in on. I this hear. is true. This is true. It's good tree day. I think many people have this. Uh, December 1st, uh, well, this year it was actually a couple of days earlier because my wife was busy on that day and we set up the tree for the entirety of the month. The kids are all out and we, we have every single Christmas bauble and piece of tinsel that you can have in the entire suburb that we live in. And I am only given one job. And that one job is I place the final star atop the tree. It's a it's kind of ceremonial thing. And that's about all I can manage. Oh, come on. And, and the, so it's a big family occasion. And you sort of sit out the back, you know, reading your books and being miserable and then come in at the end for the sort of the finished fishing touches. Yeah, that's, that's about right. I don't yeah. see anything wrong with that. Okay. Well, we need to sort of talk about that. But seriously, though, you chose a line that's important. You think it's a good one? Yeah, Tell I do think it's that. a good one. And and part of it tries to play into the fact of there is something about Christmas that we, we say is kitsch and sentimental and we kind of think light and life to all he brings in terms of light being having to be overwhelmingly positive. But actually, light matters when you're in the darkness. Mm. Light matters when you're in the dif- difficult times. And so contrary to my cynicism, actually, what's joyful about Christmas is that it is a moment of light and it is a moment of celebration, irrespective of the kind of year that you've had. Yeah, it does, isn't it? It has that sort of, I think, that sort of magical quality at its best, Mm. at its best moments. Mm. And even as an adult, if you are weighed down a bit by some of life, these these tree days, these little moments, how they kind of lift No, the they spirits. do. And yeah, and I'm married to the most Christmas positive person ever. And so part of it is it's actually a bit of fun and games in, yeah. in our family too, because she has so much energy, so much delight in Christmas. She's actually taught me how to enjoy it brilliantly. Well, her family cool. actually is only clearing their throat after about four hours of Christmas dinner. <laughs> so it really just goes on and on and on. Yeah, that's lovely. Good for your kids too, that someone in the house is positive about this. So are you going to kind of cast off the cynicism and bring Mariah Carey onto the speakers and embrace the spirit of the of the day. Yes, um, and I can't resist. Elvis is going to be on high rotation. High five Christmas. Colin Buchanan. Whoever can come to the party, we're going to be singing and we're going to be enjoying. But I'm really looking forward to gathering together with family and a chance to kind of feast together and to be able to celebrate light and life as we gather together in a way that's been really difficult throughout this entire year, but finally we can actually relax and enjoy one another's company in a spirit of celebration.
Tim Costello, welcome to CPX in Sydney, and it's great to see you in the flesh. It's very exciting. You've for been me. released. I uh, have been in the longest lockdown anywhere in the world, and that's Melbourne. It's been tough. Yeah. I must say, getting to the airport and on a flight felt like a dangerous, exotic journey, which is pretty much what the <laughs> Christmas message is from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Yeah, <clears throat> Melbourne to Sydney. It's not nearly as safe as it once was. Great to see you. You're, you've chosen a line, like we all have, from a Christmas carol. What's the line, first of all? Well, it's a little town of Bethlehem, how still we see you lie. So we both, you know, great minds think alike, Tim. You and I both chose that particular carol, but why did you choose it, and, and particularly that line? It's one of my favourite carols, uh, and along with uh, another two billion other Christians, uh, our minds turn to Bethlehem. And uh, I was quite struck that it will lie still this year. There will be no pilgrims because of COVID. Mm. Uh, so the 28,000 people living there... Um, Bethlehem's in the Judean hills in a very old town, 1350 BC, a Canaanite town that uh, became Bethlehem, will be still because of COVID. Uh, And having been there, you actually feel, if you've been a student of the Bible and grown up in the church, you actually feel like you've gone home. Bethany, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Mm. these are... Names as familiar as Blackburn, Box Hill, where I grew up. And I just Mm. have, when I get to Bethlehem, this feeling, wow, I'm home. This is where my spiritual imagination and identity uh, actually lies. It's interesting, isn't it? I've been a few times as well. I know you've been lots of times. It really is striking to come to these places. And if you've read the Bible as some of us have uh, as children and you grow yeah this strange feeling of oh this is actually a real place a yes. physical place yes of course you know it's an obvious thing to say but it does strike you when you get there but the other thing that strikes you when you get to bethlehem is it's not all peace and love is it there's a some pretty alarming um confronting let's say aspects of life in bethlehem today Yes, so those uh, uh, Palestinians, largely Christian and Muslim in Bethlehem, are uh, squeezed between now 27 separate Israeli-Jewish-only settlements. And those uh, Jewish Israelis have two separate bypass roads. Only they can drive on, none of the residents of Bethlehem. And that takes them... um, under or around the separation wall. This massive wall, eight metres high, overshadows Bethlehem now. Yep. And that that is really striking because walls, sadly, have been coming back right around the world. Yeah, figuratively as well as, you know, actual. Absolutely. Mm. Wall, walls, you know, between black evangelical Christians and white evangelical Christians in America over politics mm. and uh, walls that... Uh, now see uh, people in Britain withdrawing from Europe and being part of that. So mm-hmm. that that drift has been very dominant. And you are reminded in Bethlehem, it's always been thus, um, uh, Jesus was born under Roman occupation. Mm. And there always was fear and military. Uh, and yet the good news broke into this world, which hasn't changed that much. But the good news, I believe, has the power to challenge and change that. Yeah, tell us a bit more about that. This carol sort of is very evocative, isn't it, in that sense? There's a sort of hopefulness to this story, this 
in this place. Do you still hold that hope, you know, when you see Bethlehem and it can be pretty grim? How does this story sort of sustain you still? Yeah, no, I think it does. The uh, the idea of shepherds waiting under uh, a dark sky, uh, a midnight that is black. And they can't do anything but be patient and wait and go about uh, what they do. I, I love uh, what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer was in prison, and he compared the advent to a prison cell. Oh, this is a period leading up to Christmas. Exactly. Mm. And uh, as you know, Bonhoeffer was in a cell awaiting execution. Yep. He compares the advent to a prison cell in which one waits and hopes and does various unessential things but is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened from the outside. Mm. And that's what Christmas is for me when you think that in the Bible it's just people waiting. Mary, Zachariah, Elizabeth, Simeon, Anna, just patient expectation. And you see that in Bethlehem today. You see people going a massive wall and long, long queues and nothing seems to change. And yet the original story is God acts from outside. God alone acts. And uh, that actually is my faith, that God with us is God acting. I can't do it. I can only nurture that seed of hope uh, in my heart. It's the, a child growing within the, the belly of a woman waiting for a birth. So uh, Bethlehem actually reminds me that faith is that patient waiting. Yeah, that's lovely. Will you be singing the carol this year, Tim? Absolutely. I'll be singing the carol this year and uh, thinking of some friends I actually have in Bethlehem. So um, that gives me a, a personal, familial connection also. Mm. Well, it's lovely to see you. Great, great to have you released from Melbourne. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for being here. The door was sprung. <laughs> Well, these are all just takes on a story that we think is really inexhaustible and the right story to fit 2020 as well as every other year. Now, we're going to take a break from life and faith and from work over the next little while, but we hope you all get a real rest in these coming weeks. I know I'm hoping that for myself as well. Obviously, Christmas isn't going to look the same as usual for everyone, but we do hope there will be real joy and comfort for you wherever you are, whatever you're doing this Christmas. We plan to be back in February with new episodes. I was going to say we will be back in February, but if 2020 has taught us anything, it's surely to acknowledge how provisional Mm -hmm. all our plans are at best. God willing, everything before everything. (laughs) In the meantime, if you have feedback about Life and Faith, we would love to hear it as we're planning a new year of episodes. You can email us at podcast at publicchristianity.org. So from all of us here at CPX... Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas and Happy New Year.